Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Wasn't that good this morning? Amen. Boy, I'm glad you let me come to you, the sisters' training <laughs> to, to hear that. That was so good. Amen. You know, I, <clears throat> I was quite touched by the expression, a compliment. Amen. You know, it's like it completes it. Amen. I, I never understood a compliment in that way. I just thought, oh, that's kind of nice to have with you. But it actually completes you know, so when God created Adam, he needed Eve to complete him so that he could be a complete unit to express God and, and function. Wonderful. Amen. So we're going to look at another wonderful subject now. Uh, grafted into Christ to become part of the tree of life. You know, we, you know, we've been illustrating. You know, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there's a tree of life over here. Uh, using that illustration shows that the tree of life is kind of different to us. But here it says we become part of the tree of life by the graft being grafted into Christ. We actually become part of the tree. Uh, are you familiar with grafting? Maybe we could get Jackie to come up and explain to us, <laughs> explain to us what uh, what grafting is. Um, is she here? You're just a pruner. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I'm I'm open to be corrected by you, sisters. You know, like this morning's message, if there's uh, something the sisters can help the brothers in, we're, we're, open, we're open to receive it. You know, as I understand, you know, when we um, have fruit trees today, almost all of our fruit trees are grafted. But, you know, I, I think what happens is if you just have a you know, peach and you get the pip and the seed and you grow it, um, it it'll produce peaches, but it may be that the, the tree itself is a bit weak and subject to disease. And, and so what they do in grafting is they have a, uh, what they call rootstock that is strong and vigorous growing. And then they graft the branch into it and it gets all that vigorous strength into the branch and makes a strong fruit tree. Is that right? <laughs> so if you if you look at it if you look at it you know Christ is the strong rootstock he's the one and what are we we're the weak sickly branches that get grafted into him but the interesting thing with grafting is uh, they have the same life so the life from the root stock gets into the branch. So this is the thing with us. We get grafted into Christ, and it doesn't depend on how strong we are. It depends on us having this union and the life flowing from Christ through us, and it can express Christ. So <clears throat> Roman numeral 1 tells us uh, the Bible reveals that the relationship God desires to have with man is that 
He and man become one. That's what God desires. And that's what the Bible reveals. God wants a relationship that we and he are one. It's not like I'm down here and he's up there. And I talk to him and he helps me. Uh, which is the common thought of most people. You know, God's up there and we're down here. No, God's desire is that he would have a relationship that we become one. And then we've got this marvelous verse that we all should know, 1 Corinthians six seventeen. He is one spirit. So God's spirit and our spirit are one. That's the union that we have. That's the union. And this is what God desires. God doesn't desire us to endeavor to be a good person. He doesn't want us to be an evil person, of course. But he doesn't want us to be a good person. He wants us to be one with him, grafted to him. You know, Menorah was a very good example of saying some serious things, yet in a nice way. Right? Uh, he was one with the Lord, expressing something that is very sensitive today. It's, it's contrary to philosophy. But he is one with the Lord and presented it in a way. Um, were any of you sisters offended today? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Previous times, you know, we say things and then <clears throat> some are not that happy. But, you know, this is, this is a marvelous thing. You could sense, you know, in Menorah speaking, he was endeavoring to speak one with the Lord. He wasn't trying to get something across. He was presenting the situation and presenting it. And that's what God wants for all of us, that we would have a practice of being one with the Lord. We're joined to him. We're one spirit with him. Amen. So he says, whenever we come to the Bible, we need to exercise one principle, the principle that God desires to be one with his chosen people. So when we read, it's like this is the principle that should govern us. Like we saw the two principles, you know, you can live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life. This principle we're talking about when we're reading the Bible, we should have the feeling, this is what God wants. You know, there's a lot of things that can distract us in the Bible. And we can get on all kinds of little hobby horses. You know, people, people get on things that um, don't make any difference to life. Like, you know, which day should you worship on? Right? And they make a big issue on that. It's got nothing to do with life. It doesn't help anybody in life. It just makes some people condemned and other people proud, you know, because they think they've got the, the answer. That's not the principle on the Bible. When you read the Bible, the principle is God wants to be one with you. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Huh? He wants to be one with his chosen vessel. So, you know, you have this amazing verse referred to here. Uh, 1420, you know that verse? It says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, right? And you in me, and I in you. Is that oneness or not? In that day, you'll know I am in the Father. So Jesus and the Father are one. And you are in me. So where is he? 
And where are we? And then I and you. <laughs> Can't get more one than that, right? This is, this is, uh, this is what the Lord desired. And, and he mentioned that just prior to his crucifixion, which would be an accomplished fact through his crucifixion and resurrection, he'd come as the spirit and that would happen. Amen. That would happen. The Lord, through his crucifixion, became one with the Father. We got into him, and he got into us. Praise the Lord. Amen. So B said, God's purpose is to make himself one with man. Now, probably by the time you've, we've finished this outline, you'll, you'll get the point. Right? If you, if you miss one or two of these points, you, you'll get it. I, I was reading, going over, so it's just saying the same thing all the time. Well, that's what we need to get impressed with, right? God's main purpose is to make himself one with man and to make man one with him. So you, you've got this section in Ephesians that says there's one body, one spirit, right? Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. How many ones are there? There's only really one. <laughs> right? There's seven items, right? They describe it, but we're actually one. It's, 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 it's the triune God with us, the believers, as the body, through our faith and baptism, we get joined to him Amen. and we become one spirit with him Amen. and become one body. This is, this is God's purpose. So she says, God desires that the divine life and the human life be joined to become one life. One life. <clears throat> How many lives do you have? We're not a cat, right? You know, with nine lives, no. Yeah, we, we just have one life. We actually have the same life that God has. Isn't that amazing? We have the same life that God has. So D says, the central line of God's economy is to make God and man, man and God, one entity with the two having one living by one life with one nature. So we, we can see that this is actually realized uh, at the end of the book of Revelation, where it says the spirit and the bride say, come. So the bride, of course, the believers, consummation of the believers, and, and uh, the spirit, the consummation of the triune God, they're just speaking together. It didn't say, the spirit says, come, and the bride says, amen. Right? It said the spirit and the bride, they both speak together, the same thing. They are one. This is, this is the consummation. Amen. Now, this next part, this next point, E, really concentrate. In his incarnation, Christ brought God into man. Is that right? So the incarnation is God becoming flesh. That's what it means, right? Incarnation, in the flesh. God became a man. God in the flesh. So, incarnation, God was brought into man. You know what this shows? This shows God's intention. 
He wants to be one with man. It's not like he wants to be one with man. Okay, you guys do something about it. No, God became a man. It's, it's really um, impressive to me that Muslims and Jehovah Witnesses have the same doctrine. They have the same doctrine. They are against God becoming man. They're against that. And they're against that the son of God, that God has a son. They're against that. Speak against that. Right? To the Jehovah Witnesses, the son is a secondary, smaller, lower creature. Not God himself. Right? And Muslims, they just mock the thought that God could have a son. And well, who's the wife? You know, uh, this kind of thing. They, they have no, no revelation. Why would they be so strong? I, I listened to, a, 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 I guess it was a podcast. And uh, this person was interviewing a Muslim. And he asked him a question. And straight away, the Muslim starts attacking that Jesus was God. Straight away. What's that got to do with Muhammad? But that, that's their motivation. And if, if a Jehovah Witness knocks on your door, you answer the door, and you say you're a Christian, he'll immediately start attacking the fact that Jesus is not God. They're, they're antichrist. So we, we are the ones that believe God became a man. <clears throat> you know, uh, when, when man went to the moon, we heard about men on the moon today. Uh, <clears throat> when one of the men, one of the men went to the, to the moon, and like it says, uh, it was a giant step for mankind, you know. If you were around in those days, you, you see the TV, you see his foot. It was really dramatic, touching the moon dust and puffs up at his footprint. It's so typical American, you know. <laughs> propaganda or, or, or whatever. That's a big thing, right? It's called a giant step for mankind. Oh, it's really interesting. <clears throat> One time Dick Taylor was speaking and he, and he, he was saying, God stepped into man. <laughs> right? That's the giant step. That's the big step. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very important in, in history, isn't it? You know, you, you, can, you can always uh, convince a person about God becoming a man just by money in your pocket, if you have any, because you've got credit cards. You can't do it by that. But, you know, if on a coin... On a coin, it has a date. What's the date? It's, what's, it's 2022, right? No? 2022 what? What does that mean? It doesn't mean after the death. It means anadomini, which means in the year of our Lord. Now, Toby's a pretty impressive person. But when he was born... We didn't change time <laughs> before Toby <laughs> and in the year of Toby, you know. <clears throat> Maybe Jennifer kind of, she could believe that, but, you know. 
But listen, listen, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. God became man, and it impressed people so much, they started dating from then. It was before then, and then after that, after the year of the Lord. So God, incarnation, God being brought into man, right? Uh, And in his resurrection, another amazing thing, he brought man into God. So by his incarnation, God came into man. Then through his death and resurrection, the humanity that God had was brought into divinity. Man was brought into God. So, you know, when Stephen was being stoned, you know, heaven opened, and he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He saw the Lord as a man. You know, do you get the impression? God really wants to be one with man. He became a man. And then he brought that man into God. Amen. Amen. But this is our gospel. This is our gospel. So you got these verses in Romans 8, says, uh, 3, says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of the flesh of sin and concerning sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So here is God coming in the flesh. That's incarnation. God coming in the flesh. But Romans 1, in proving uh, who Christ was, you know, he was the he was the seed of David, you know. Uh, Romans 1, it says, 3, concerning his son, who came out of the seed of David, according to the flesh. You know, if you, if you were God or you wanted to become a man, would you take a long time to do it? You, you just go, okay, now I'm a man, right? <laughs> so stop all that long time process. But he actually came, became a man like you and I became human beings. He was conceived. He was in the womb. He was born and lived 33 and a half years. He, and actually, it seems like that was a waste, but it wasn't a waste. It was a declaration. This is how God lives. This is God in humanity. That qualified him to then be able to die for us, to bear our sin, and because he was sinless, he rose from the dead. So, so it says, um, who was designated the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, out of the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the resurrection of Christ declared him, made it obvious he's the son of God. So here, here you, you have, he was incarnated, he took on flesh, then he took that flesh to the cross, and in resurrection, he uplifted that flesh into sonship as the son of God. So it wasn't that he took on flesh and he just left it and he got out of it and he just went back to heaven. No, he took 
humanity back. Oh, we have a wonderful hymn, right? There's a man in the glory whose life is for me. Humanity has been brought into divinity. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, you, you have, when the Lord was on the earth, you had the divine attributes expressed in the aromatic virtues of Christ. So you look at Christ, so fragrant his life, the way he interacted with people, the way he dealt with people, so fragrant. We had a, a trainee from Japan long time ago now, and uh, she went back to Japan, and unlike people in Japan, she was on a train, and she started preaching the gospel to a man, and the man happened to be a missionary, and she talked about how, you know, God was incarnated, you know, into humanity, and he lived a life full of aromatic virtues, expressing God. Do you know what that missionary said? Can you come and work with me? Yeah. No. No. Most people don't have any thought like that. They don't have a thought. It's just a kind of a doctrinal thing. But we have to see this is God's purpose, God's intention, to bring divinity into humanity and bring humanity into divinity, to bring God into man and man into God. Amen. Wow. So one says, we are in Christ and he is in us. Is that true? Is Christ in you? Are you in Christ? Amen. So what has happened? We have become one person. How many persons are here today? One. Amen. We have become one person. Now, the verse that's used here is really interesting. See if you can get it. For even as the body is one and has many members, that's our body, right? Yet all the members don't have the same function, right? All the members of the body, being many, are one body. All the members are one body. Is it true? All of our members are just still just one body. Now, whose body is it talking about? No, it's not. It's talking about your body. Your body is an illustration of Christ's body. Christ's body is not an illustration of your body. Right? So here Paul is saying, as your body has many members, yet it's one, so is Christ. What does that mean? You know, most, most Christians would agree, who are enlightened, would agree Christ is the head of the body. We all agree with that, right? He's the head. But do we agree he's the body? That's what this verse is saying. Christ is not only 
the head. He's the body. He's using the many members of the body to illustrate Christ. He's not saying there's Christ and there's all these other folks hanging around. You know, he's not saying that. Right? And, and if you use if you use the illustration uh, maybe of a family, you, you can get that kind of impression. Right? There's a parent and there's the kids. But when you use the body, can you separate the head from the body? Well, you can, but you you gotta <laughs> You, you end up with a corpse, right? You don't have a body anymore. You just have a corpse. But praise the Lord, we are here. Our head and our body is one. Right? So this is, this is the divine revelation. So you, as a member of Christ, are one with Christ. You're not just a believer in Christ. And that's great. That's where we start. But it's not just a matter, yeah, historically he died for me, he resurrected, he's the saviour interceding for me, if I believe in him, he'll save me, so he's there and I'm here, I'm saved. It's not that that's being illustrated here. It's the fact that there's a body in this universe. There's a body, and it has many members, and it's called Christ. So he didn't, he, he didn't say, so also is the body of Christ. He says, so also is Christ, the Christ. It's the Christ. It is the head with the members. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, hello, Christ. Is that heresy? Is that blasphemy? No, no. Actually, you know, even the Lord said in the Gospels about taking care of a little one. You do it to them, you do it to me. And that was before this actually happened, that the body and the head and the body were became one. His thought is, you know, there's a member of Christ. You're doing it, you're doing it to me. Amen? Are you convinced? Amen. Hallelujah. So two says, Christ has become... And we have become Amen. you know when, when Brother Lee was talking about the high peak of the divine revelation, which is God becoming man to make man God, when he was talking about that. He said, if you told that to a Mongolian, never had any contact with anybody, they just accept it. But you tell it to somebody who's been raised in Christianity, you know, you got to, and unfortunately, there's a lot of things that have to be undone 
in our, in our concepts. So we, we, we need to see this. This is according to the truth. Now look at these verses. Hebrews 2.14. Follow me again, right? Since therefore the children have shared in blood and flesh, meaning we're the children. We all have blood and flesh, right? He also himself in like manner partook of the same. So when he came, he was a man with blood and flesh, right? He partook of the same. That through death, he might destroy him who has the might of death. That is the devil. So he took on humanity to be able to destroy the devil, to defeat the devil. You know, um, he could have easily done it as God. But there would be no glory. But he became a man, lesser creature than the devil, and defeated the devil. Now, sometimes I use this expression, you know, God is almighty, Satan is mighty, and we are mites. <laughs> but God's intention is to, through the might, defeat the mighty. Yeah, so, so you, you can see there Christ became us. He took on flesh and blood, same as us. And then verse 11 says, both he, capital H, he who sanctifies, that's the Lord who's the sanctifying one, and those who are being sanctified are all of one. Have one source. Have one life. They're all of one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brothers. So he took on humanity. Right? And then through defeating the devil, uh, he was able to redeem us, to save us from, from, from sin, right? He sanctifies us. And in his sanctifying, is his parting his life into us, he makes us all one. So he's not ashamed to call us brothers. You might be ashamed to call somebody a brother. But he's not. Right? Sometimes in the family, you know, like my brother, actually, if you want to hurt him, you say, you're not really part of the family. Mum got you at pack and save. <laughs> no, she didn't. You know, it was just like, you know, the kid crying back out, you know. This is, this is, but how about us? How about us? The Lord's not ashamed to call you sisters. You know, before the Lord's resurrection, he didn't call us brothers. He called us friends, right? But when Mary met him on the day of his resurrection, he said, go tell my brothers Go tell my brothers. Did he mean his flesh brothers? No, he meant all the believers, all the ones that were had been following him. And of course, we, we know that included in the brothers were the sisters. Wasn't that nice what Menorah said about 
you know, you've got this picture and there's the Lord and there's the disciples. But outside that frame, there's this bunch of sisters who are feeding them and, and, and taking care of them, right? And they, huh? Yeah, out of the frame, yeah. And it's just, you know, I know it's not that easy, not that good to, you know. You know, it's really funny. It's really funny. You know, women, especially your wives and mothers, they're known by the husband. You know who Jennifer is, don't you? It's not Jennifer Wong. It's Toby's wife, right? right? It's Toby's wife. And you know who, you know who Pauline is, don't you? Virginia's mother. You know, so, so it's like you're really out of the frame, right? You're really out of the frame. But the Lord, he's not ashamed of us. You know, maybe socially we might be out of the frame, but the Lord calls us brothers. You know, there's a feeling in him. We are of the same. It says we are all of one. Who's the one? God. We're all out of God. Right? He's the son of God. We are the sons of God. We're all of one. Well, can't you see that the Bible reveals the relationship God desires to have a man, that they become one? His desire is so much. He did so many things to make that possible by himself becoming the Lord. Amen. Yeah. So what kind of brothers do we have? Big brothers and little brothers and naughty brothers. and Right? There's all these kind of brothers around. But they're all brothers. They're all brothers. I got a text the other day from a brother who hadn't been to a meeting for months, and he's praising the Lord and apologizing he couldn't make the group meeting. He hadn't made a group meeting for months. But he's a brother. He's not, he's not an unbeliever. There's a big difference between an unbeliever and a believer, or an unbeliever and a brother. What's the difference, Mega? What's the difference? Huh? What? Come on, you've got such a loud voice. You hear you everywhere. Have you ever heard her laugh in the dining room? And it's like, we have a rule. We have a rule about not laughing. You know? What's it say? Not uncontrolled laughing. And sometimes, you know, we hear this. So, okay, let me ask you the question again. What makes us one? Christ. Okay, let me ask you again. What makes us one? Christ. Yeah, so if, if it's Christ, it's something outside of you. But if it's life, it's in you, right? We are, we are all made one because we all have received the Lord's life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, now, two, right? the relationship God desires to have with man is that he and man be grafted together and thus become one organic union. 
Right? This is this is a relationship he wants. He wants a grafted union. So go back, you have this good stalk or the good trunk, and then us, the inferior one, get grafted in. That's what he wants. He wants the grafting. And you know, for grafting to take place, there has to be cutting. You can't just glue a branch or sellotape a branch, right? They have to cut it and then cut the branch and slip it in so the life sap flows into the branch and then they tape it and probably put some hormone to make it happen a bit better. Is that right, Wendy? Something like that anyway. You know, so just don't just don't go and sellotape a branch and expect it to be grafted. You know, uh, the pictures in, in uh, Gisborne, they have an apple tree, has five varieties on one tree. All, all the different branches. So you get grafted in, and maybe you're a Granny Smith. You're not going to look like a... Uh, you know, uh, jazz, you know, you're going to still look like a Granny Smith, but you, you're a Granny Smith with with the apple life, right? So when, when, you, when you consider the Lord's desire for us to have this, this grafted life or to be one, in contrast to organic union, you know, you can have one in purpose, one in goal, one in concept, one in thought. All of those oneness, you're separate. You just, you, you, you agree with the same thing, but you're two different people. But organic means that you have the same life. You are one in the life of Christ. Not just, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm for that too. And if you talk to Jehovah Witness, sorry to mention them, but you, you talk to them and, and they talk about, you know, the Lord said, I am the Father one. They say, oh, it's one purpose. Yeah. One purpose. But we are, we are not one with the Lord just in purpose. We have all of that because we have organic oneness. There's a life in you. You know, if you don't have an organic oneness with the Lord, you're not saved. Sorry. If there's no life from Christ in you, you're not saved. Well, let me say, you're not regenerated. Because Watchman Nee said, some people are saved, but they're not regenerated. It's like they, they, they pray the prayer, they say something, but there's no evidence of life. We, we want our believing in the Lord to join us to him to get connected with him. Um, was the Lord cut as the, as the tree? Was he cut? Seriously cut. Were you cut? I remember, I remember when I first heard the gospel, I was cut, I was crying. It hurt so much. See how evil I was, how sinful I was. And I, my need of the Lord. So when the gospel is preached, people get pricked. Like when Peter preached the gospel, it said they were pricked in their heart. It was like, it was a cut. If you get cut in your heart concerning the Lord's word and the Lord's desire, 
you're in the right position to get put into Christ who was cut. So we're both cut. And you know, the brothers said this, and you you sisters will love this. They said, the branch coming into the cut, the cut branch coming into the vine is kissing. Kissing is the kiss. The union began. Amen? Amen. So <clears throat> look, at, look at the things uh, that have happened to us. I'll, read just, I'll just read these phrases from the verses that are referred to. We were baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. We've been buried with him. We've been raised with him. Right? And then we've grown together with him. So here's the baptism, the burial, the resurrection. Now, this union has taken place. The grafting has happened. Now we can grow. Christ is growing in us. Amen. And so then the Lord said in John 15, abide in me. Stay there. Don't get out. Stay in this union. Abide in me and I in you. I am the vine. You are the branches. Okay. Do you know you are the tree of life? So I shouldn't say there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there's a tree of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there's the tree of life. There's all the branches of that tree. We're grafted into him. This is, this is the divine thought. Yet our religious thought, it's, oh man, you can't say that. Can you say you're the tree of life? Yes, you can, because the Lord said, I am the vine, you are the branches. But you might say, oh, hey, listen, he's talking about a vine. He's not talking about the tree of life. <laughs> Genesis 2, you have the tree of life with bad for the fall. Then Revelation 22, the tree of life is open again. It's in the New Jerusalem. And a lot of Bible teachers believe that that period in between Genesis 2 and Revelation 22, there's no tree of life. A lot of people believe that. There's no tree of life. Okay. The Lord said, I am the vine. Is the vine a tree? It's a type of tree. I looked this up. You know, they, they got shrubs that grow this high. Trees have to be over 13 meters. Vines and, and you got all this kind of description of different kinds of tree. But it's not a weed, is it? It's not a vegetable. It's a tree. Okay. But it doesn't say it's the tree of life. But the Lord said, I am the vine. And you know, in John 14, he said, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the Lord is the life. And he said, I'm the tree. I'm the vine. So who is he? And you believe into him, and you're organically united with him. So what are you? You know, when Menorah was talking about the different sisters can, you know, care for maybe a weaker one or backslidden one. You know, when you contact a weaker one, backslidden one, you're the tree of life to them. 
They're in the realm of death. And you go there united with the Lord and you bring life. I had a compliment paid one time. I visited this family and I visited them for a few times. Eventually they said, they're not going to come to church. So don't waste your time coming here. We're quite happy with our social life. But he did say, every time you come, it's like God comes. <laughs> he still wanted to have his, his, his old life. He didn't want to have this kind of life. He didn't want to have the vine life. He wanted to have the vain life. But he did say, he did say, when you come, God comes. Well, it's true, isn't it? We are part of the tree of life. We're grafted in. We contact people. We visit people. Who's there? Who are we? We are the vine. We are one spirit with the Lord. We're grafted into him. Wow. This is amazing, isn't it? This is amazing. And then A says, and you may have heard this expression, the grafted life is not an exchange life. And uh, I, I struggled for a long time to kind of figure that one out. The grafted life is not an exchange life. You know, like an exchange life is, uh, you know, come on. an exchange life, he gives me his life. He's Christ. He gives me his life. So he's there, and I'm here with his life. That's exchanged. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ. Right? So it's like exchange. That is not a verse showing exchange, but I'm using it to show exchange. Right? It's not like that. It's not like I'm Christ, and I give you my life. I'm here, you're there, you've got my life. That's exchanged. But this is a grafted life. What does that mean? That means we're, we're inseparable. Better than Siamese twins, right? We're, we're, we're inseparable. Thank you. So we live, we live the same life. You know, this revelation is not common among Christians. Christian's common revelation is Christ is out there. He saves me. He blesses me. He gives me things. He visits me. You know? They don't have the, they don't have the consciousness. I'm one with him. He's one with me. We live a mingled life. We live a mingled life. It's a, it's a life lived together. That's why we had that verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit. There's the mingling. You have the human spirit. You have the divine spirit. And verse 17 says they are one spirit. Together. It's a mingled. It's not exchanged. It's not like I give up the human spirit and I get the divine spirit. It's the human spirit and the divine spirit are mingled together. Uh, uh, one spirit. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. In grafting, this would be, in grafting, two similar lives are joined and then grow together organically. And you, you've got a reference here to Romans 11. 
where it talks about us being grafted off, cut off from the wild olive tree and being grafted into the cultivated one. Here, here you've got the grafting in Romans 11. This is what happened to us. You know? We, we shouldn't be there. <laughs> we have this kind of life, but we got cut off from the natural life and we got put into the divine life. One says, because our human life Oh, this is so amazing. Because our human life was made in the image of God and according to the likeness of God, it can be joined to the divine life. So when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, we are the same species, the same type. You know, there's a lot of trees that can't be grafted. I'll stand corrected. I'm, I'm open for any feeling sisters have to say something to me. But I, I understand, uh, Jackie, you can't graft stone fruit and pit fruit. Thank you. <laughs> so you know what I mean by pit fruit, an apple or pear that's pit. You can't graft an apple and a peach. A different species. right? And of course, Ridiculously, you can't graft uh, a banana and an apple. You know, it's totally different, right? So how can, how can we, be, we be grafted into the triune God? We're the same species. We were made in the image of God. We're the same as he is. And so the graft can take. You, you use these wrong species, the graft won't take. It just won't, won't work. It's a wrong life. But we have, <laughs> praise the Lord, the kind of life that can be grafted into God. Wow. And God can grow in us. Wow. Wonderful. Our human life resembles the divine life. Therefore, the divine life and the human life can be grafted together and live together. We can carry on. This union takes place. This is organic union, grafted, and we can carry on growing and living. In order for us to be grafted into Christ, he had to pass through a process of incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, to become the life-giving spirit, right? We have been grafted into Christ as the tree of life, and this grafting has made us one with him, right? Christ and the believers are one tree, the God tree, right? One tree. He is the vine, and we are the one tree. Right? Two, Christ becomes our life, nature, and person. Isn't that true? That's what that's transformation. As we grow, we're being renewed, we're being transformed, we're being conformed. So we've We've been grafted into Christ as the, the root stock, right? And as, as we grow in him, that sap, that life comes up, changes us, change our feeling, you know? When, when you become a believer, you get different tastes. Your taste, your taste changes. Maybe, maybe... You know, 
I don't like to use the illustration, but you know, some of the worldly things that you had a taste for after the Lord gets into you, you don't have that taste anymore. You know, as a young person, I I used to like music. You know, and back in my day it was Elvis Presley and Bill Haley and the Comets and the Platters and all these guys. You know, this is this is decades ago. You know, they're all in the museum now. And 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 uh, and when I when I when I got saved, the guy who worked next to me, uh, he he had a radio in the workshop. And he just played this music all the time. It just drove me crazy. And I was a mechanic, right, back in those days. So there, siren would go, uh, morning tea time. That will take off. I'd go over and I'd turn the radio off, right? Then I'd go to the smoker room and then they'd come back. And then after an hour or something, they'd go, who turned the radio off? You know, they realized the whole place was quiet. They'd turn it back on again. So every time they'd go, I'd turn it off, you know, and it, Taste change. Taste change. Amen. Amen. So we have, Christ has become our life, nature, and person. So he says, as regenerated ones who have been grafted into Christ, we should live a grafted life, a life in which the two parties are joined and grow organically. So that's why we have morning revival. Stir up our spirit, strengthen our contact. That's why we read the word, to be infused, to be nourished. That's why we go to the meetings. That's why we contact saints. That's why we fellowship, to, to stimulate this, this life. Amen? So two says, we should no longer live by our flesh or by our natural being. Rather, we should live a grafted life by the mingled spirit, the divine spirit mingled with the regenerated human spirit. You know, this is not just a teaching. This is a reality. God's spirit is mingled with your spirit. You are grafted into him. And he is in you as life. And we, we saw already that this life has a sense. You have to follow the sense of life, the feeling of life. We live in this realm of life. That's the realm that we live in. That's how a Christian lives. A Christian doesn't have a book of all the things he should do and shouldn't do. A lot of people read the Bible like that. No, the Bible should show us, ooh, I'm grafted. Ooh, I'm a part of Christ. Ooh, Christ is in me. Ooh, we have the same life. You know, there, there should be the strengthening of this reality. Not, it's not a book of rules. It's a strengthening of this reality. So F says, if the grafted, in, sorry, in the grafted life, the human life is not eliminated. You know, so Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. doesn't mean he's, he's over, right? It's not the elimination, but a strengthened and an uplift by the divine life. So he says, it is Christ who lives in me. It's not me living now. There's another person in me living. And when he lives in me, my life is strengthened, uplifted, enriched. Amen. My father said to me, you cause more trouble than all the other kids put together. You know, I was the youngest. I was a sport, brat, naughty, and all that kind of stuff. 
but I got saved. <laughs> and then they got saved. So, right? Our, our life is not eliminated, it's enriched, strengthened, uplifted. In the grafted life, the branch retains the same essential characteristics, but is strengthened. So, you know, when Christ comes into you, you still look like Ian. You don't look like Toby now, you know. <laughs> you, you still look like Ian, but it's uplifted. It's strengthened, right? We, 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 still, we, we still look the same. So two says, in the grafted life, the divine life works within us to discharge negative elements. The divine life works in a gradual way to eliminate whatever is natural. So as long as we keep exercising the spirit, contacting the Lord, things will drop off. Right? Eliminate it. Right? The divine life swallows up our defects and infirmities. So you may have the feeling, oh, I could never pray out loud in a meeting. I could never come up to the mic and speak. I could never do that. Well, maybe you can't. But the divine life swallows that up. Just give more room to the divine life. Then you'll find yourself speaking or praying. The life being manifested. Right? The negative element of our disposition is killed. Praise the Lord. And then instead of casting away our disposition, the Lord uplifts and uses it. Amen. Right? Doesn't get rid of it, but he uplifts it. So it's like you are still you, but now the divine life is uplifting and expressing the higher attributes or virtues out of you. Still you. You know, you're still slow <laughs> or you're still fast, but God is being expressed. This, this, uh, the negative element of our disposition is killed. Then, instead of casting away our disposition, Lord, uplifts it. Then, three, in the grafted life, the divine life resurrects. God's original creation and it lifts our faculties. What was God's original intention in creating man? I go back to Genesis. It doesn't say one in Genesis. Yeah, it doesn't actually say that. It implies that. What does it say? Oh, made, uh, made us in his image and his likeness. Yeah. So that's expression, right? Yeah. And? Yep. Then we have dominion. And so we rule over all the creeping things. So what it's saying here is that the, when, when this discharges the negative things, it works to resurrect God's original creation. So 
you become a person who now can express Christ, now can express God. Before, you expressed yourself and the devil. So, you know, the, the Jews came to the Lord and the Lord said, you're of your father, the devil. You're doing his works. You're hating. That's the devil. Right? So that's, you know, we were like that. Then, then, of course, when the Lord comes into us, what do we express? Maybe you are angry and a hating person and the Lord gets into you. What do you express as you grow? Love. That's what God's substance is. So you, you, you get back to what you should have been in the beginning, before the fall. Wow, this is fantastic. Yeah, so that's really recovery, isn't it? What God originally intended. Now, by us being grafted into the Lord, living one with the Lord, we come back to that. Now we can express him. Amen. And that's why, sisters, you must speak in the meetings. If you don't speak in the meetings, where's the expression? You, you speak something of the Lord. You express the Lord. You have to speak. That's why, that's why you have to exercise, you know. Amen. In the grafted life, the divine life supplies the riches of Christ to our inward parts and saturates our whole being. Praise the Lord. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This, this is such a good outline. Huh? Okay, Roman numeral three. Christ as the tree of life is the embodiment of, of God as life to us. And having been grafted into Christ, we are united with him organically and we are part of the tree of life. So he says, we not only eat Christ as a tree of life, we are united to him and are part of him. Do you know what that means? Somebody else can eat you. Yeah, they can receive life from you, right? The tree of life is for the dispensing of the divine life into us, and we, the branches, abide in the vine. We receive the dispensing of life from the tree of life, and live as part of the tree of life. So there's a way for this life to flow out. Christ as the tree of life is for the divine economy to dispense himself into us. And as the branches of the vine, we're abiding in him and he is abiding in us. As we abide in the vine, there is a dispensing of God into us and a dispensing of life from the tree of life into the branches, this dispensing makes us God-men. So we are enjoying the Lord's dispensing. All right? And this dispensing makes us the same as he is, makes us God-men. Amen. To abide in Christ as the vine is to take him as our dwelling place, which is the highest and fullest experience of God. To dwell in Christ is to have our living in Christ, taking him as our everything. So the psalmist says, oh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. So now you, you've got the, you know, the, the figure is changing from just being a branch in the vine to actually being in God as a house, dwelling in him. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
For you have made Jehovah, who is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. Stay in the vine. Stay in the branches. If we live as part of the tree of life, we will not care for good and evil, but for life. And we will discern matters, not according to right and wrong, but according to life and death. Praise the Lord. By grafting, we got right away from that tree. And we have got into the tree, the tree of life. Amen? Amen. So we have some prayer, and then let's have, let's have sisters who haven't come up yet. Right? Amen? Amen. Sisters who haven't come up, can you say? Amen. Uh, especially those from Tauranga. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we'll let Wakatani join that group too. So then pray and then come up. Amen.